Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, Brandon here, and welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. It's good to be back with you as always. As we kind of wrap up the sign-up period for the What People Want From Work survey, which I've mentioned to you in the last few episodes, uh, September 17th is a cutoff date to sign up for the What People Want From Work survey. If you want to learn more about what makes your employees passionate about their work and what they expect and want out of your workplace, that's a free survey. There are some buy-up options, but you're not obligated to do that at all. So go to Zenium's website and search for what people want from work. And you can also find a link in the show notes here and get you right to the sign-up page. And of course, if you have questions, feel free to email me about those. Okay, so today's episode, I have a conversation. I actually sit down in person with Leo McLeod. He is local to the Portland, Oregon area where I'm located. And he's a trainer, a leadership coach, and he's also an expert in succession planning, which is what we discuss on the episode today. Uh, I've never done a topic on succession planning, and I thought, wow, we have a mix of small business owners who may be thinking about either retiring or selling their business. Um, you may work for a small business where executives are are thinking about retiring and you need to figure out a backup plan. And a lot of you are HR people, and I think uh, you tend to get roped into <laughs> some of these discussions where you're trying to find people to be successors of key positions or, or even owners. So I think um, this is a very interesting topic. Leo, really, I mean, he goes deep on this and I really appreciated how detailed he was with um, his experiences. So I think you're going to love this episode. I'll step out of the way and enjoy. Oh, and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please give us a five-star review uh, or if you don't want to give us five stars, I, I totally understand that. Uh, but any feedback is important. So you're welcome to reach out directly to me if you'd rather not give us a review that way. But I always read those and I always appreciate them. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Leo, good to have you. Brandon, how are you? I'm awesome. It's awesome to have you in person. I usually don't get a chance to have too many in-person guests like yeah, this. So yeah. I'm glad uh, you're local. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about succession planning. You're Absolutely. the expert, resident expert. We haven't really done a topic on this. So I was excited that you're, you're an expert in this area because mm-hmm. I want to pick your brain. Um, I think there's a shift happening because of just the demographics and, and the generational. So boomers uh, are leaving the workforce, they're leaving... As far as they're selling their businesses, they're maybe wanting to retire. Millennials are stepping into leadership roles. Xers are taking over. Uh, what's this whole succession planning thing all about? Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the scary fact. 10,000 boomers are retiring every day. Every day. Every day? Every day. Wow. As we talk, people are leaving 
<laughs> but it's hard to wrap right, my head around right that, now. Actually. Right now, are they? There goes are, another are they, one. Are they owners of the business? And well, that's ten thousand boomers are retiring okay, from so, the workforce. Yeah. So, you know, how many of those people own businesses? Enough, right? Enough for it to be a concern. So, you know, I got I got into this business because I just heard of a lot of people, a lot of firms that were saying, "Yeah, I got to." I got to leave my business someday here and I haven't really created a plan. Hmm. And there's a whole bunch of people who are in that boat who haven't done the planning, who haven't thought about it and are now in a position of trying to figure out what to do. And so I thought, well, maybe I can give them some help. And as I started to get into it, I realized it's really complicated because there's different parts to it. There's the emotional part, the people part, there's the logistic logistics yeah, part. Yeah. Right? There's the financial part. Uh, so you actually need a team. You need an attorney. You need a financial planner. And then you need what I would call a succession coaches, which is what I am. So I, I'm the wow. guy who helps you kind of navigate the overall plan. Because a lot of it, frankly, is just trying to figure out how do I want to leave this firm? Yeah. What does it mean to me? What am I going to do afterwards? Can I trust the people who are taking over? How do I develop them? There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions. Well, I would have thought about the people side for sure. And it's interesting that you, you know, you take on that role. The, I wouldn't have thought about the attorney and the financial planner side of the equation, sure. but that makes a lot of sense. You have somebody that potentially could be selling their business or, um, you know, relinquishing options in the organization, whatever it may be financially. Yeah. Uh, all that needs to be sorted out. Didn't, wouldn't have thought about that. But you yeah. have to think about it, right? It's a big, it's a big part of it. the The money part is a big part of it because, well, let me say this: it depends on what you want to get out of the business. It depends on how important it is to you. So when I sit down with companies that are thinking about doing leaving their business mm -hmm. at some point, I have two questions. Uh, one is, when do you want to retire? When do you want to exit the business? What if they said six months from now? Yeah. That would be a little concerning, right? No, I had that. I have that story. <laughs> no. I, I do. <laughs> I do. I, so one question is, uh, when do you want to leave? And the other one is, what do you want to look like afterwards? Hmm. How's this going to end? So I'll, I'll go into the story where someone actually called me up because I, I write a column for the Daily Journal of Commerce right, on succession planning. And this guy calls me up. He owns an engineering firm. It's not very big. It's maybe 20 people. And he says, yeah, I was reading your article and your columns. And it sounds really interesting. Here's my case. My wife is really getting on my case because she wants me to retire. I'm about 65 years old. I've had this business for 30 years. And I really need to get out. Can oh. you help me? Wow. And I thought, you know, I'm... <laughs> You got, you got five There's years. all kinds of flags yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah. I'm saying, well, uh, I ask him, well, do you have an owner in mind? Do you have somebody who you think could step into this position? Well, I'm not really sure. Like, That's okay, a no. That's right. <laughs> kind of. <right? laughs> it's a question mark. It's a big question mark. And then I said, well, you know, how strong is your business? Do you have recurring revenue? 
I mean, what are we buying here? Are you just in the business of going out and getting work? How reliant is it on you? In other words, if you leave the business, is it going to collapse? So, yeah, it's pretty reliant on me. Wow. I mean, I'm hearing all these different flags. But then I said, well, what's your objective? How do you want this to end? He says, I'm not really that concerned about getting that much money out of the business for myself. I'm more interested in trying to keep it together for the people who, who are here. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And as I started to get into it and working with them, I realized that they had a really great like family kind of culture. Yeah. And he was sort of the patriarch, right? Which yeah. is kind of common. And while it was challenging to find owners among the people who were there, we did find them. We found two people who were willing within to step the organization. Up within the organization. That's great. But the key was, and this is what made it work, is the owner, person who was leaving the firm, was not asking for a lot of money <laughs> out of the deal. And that, frankly, that made it easier. It made it easier for the deal to go through. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the deal, if I, if I said, hey, Brandon, you know, you work for me and how would you like to take over my business? So what does that require? Does it mean just doing what you're doing? Or am I taking on some kind of financial risk? Do I need to buy you out? How much do you want out of the business? And how much do you want me to be paying you over time? How's this going to work? And that part, a lot of people avoid. Yeah. And they wait too long because, frankly, it's like any kind of loan. You need time, yep. right, in order to pay off anything like that, just like your home, mm -hmm. right? You buy a home, you're not like someone says, okay, can you write a check for $500,000? Most people don't have that set around. Exactly. So, well, similar. and that's probably where the attorney and the financial planner comes into play with that side of the equation. Yeah, there's it's complicated and it's not my area, but there's a lot of uh, tax implications yeah, as well. Yeah, makes sense. So, there's a lot of tax implications of you know, it, of receiving a lot of money for all your business once. all at once. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why people probably take it over time. You take it over time. Yeah. There's ways of structuring. Uh, the deal so but the, but the key is too if you're giving the business to someone else someone if someone in your firm is going to be picking it up yeah and owning it how can they afford to do that because that's expensive yeah so that's the challenge the challenge is as you as, as as an owner have a certain price you want to get the most out of it most people do and the people who are at the firm they're not high rollers you know, that's why a lot of they're times, employees. yeah, they're yeah. employees. That's why a lot of times, um, owners look for third parties, look for people who have got deeper pockets who just want to buy the whole firm. That's interesting. But then they might bring in their whole crew, culture changes. Uh, what they generally try to do is it depends on kind of the business. Yeah. So if you're producing a product and you have a process, you have a technology, you have a plant, and that's what you're buying then yes, you're essentially just buying, uh, you're buying the customer base. Yeah. And you're intellectual the, property. Intellectual property. Equipment. Equipment, all that stuff. The people are important, but they're secondary. If you're buying a professional services firm, people. like for instance, like Zenium. Yep. I mean, what are you buying? Maybe they've got some Not for assets for an office building, but essentially it's just it's yeah. people. Yeah. So, in 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 that 
situation, you need to figure out how are you going to hold on to the people? Or more specifically, how are you going to replicate the business when you're not around? Which is the tricky part. Because when you start looking at leaving the business, you have to look at replacing yourself. Yeah. That story that you were just describing, did it have a happy ending? You said you I, you were able to identify a couple people within the organization. What was the result of all that? He's um, Is it riding happening? through the Rockies on a motorcycle and huh? spending more time with his... It's got a happy happy ending then. He's he's spending more time with his grown children Yeah, and loving life. And Remo- he's still involved. You know, he's still, still involved. Okay, so he's still an owner of the So he's an engineer and he comes into the office maybe once a week for a little bit but the other thing too is this guy is very he's a hands-off kind of yeah guy so yeah. he's not going to come in and say what are you doing and you should be doing it that way um so it sounds like he so if he's riding around the rockies on a motorcycle he's still involved in the business he's still an owner then and he's really not an owner he's, he's not, not an owner totally he's just an employee now okay or maybe even just a but some people want that and I, maybe early on in the succession planning process to identify what involvement you want to have, if any. Yeah, but it should be a clean break. You should, at some point, you should stop being an owner. Yeah. And now you're an employee. And that's a change for people. Some people are some people are better at that than others. Yeah. And that's part of knowing yourself. That's why a lot of this, frankly, is um, more personal in nature. That's where I kind of, I coach people to try to figure out you know, what do you want out of life? And it almost becomes kind of a life coach. That's kind of, of a, I like that. It's, it's a holistic mm-hmm. view of, you know, mm-hmm. what do you want out of this, this, this transition, but yeah. what do you want out of your life? And yeah. What it, you're right. What's next for you. And then the other part is who's going to, who's going to take over the business and are they ready? And how do we develop them? So that's what feeds a lot of my business is the leadership development yeah. for the succession plan. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So let's back all the way up. That same story, he came to you, he wanted to retire in like six months, I'm get out of the business in like six months. It was more probably more of a quick turnaround than you thought. Ideally, if somebody came to you and you're in your advising on succession planning, how far in advance are people looking in um, at, at really starting the, the planning process? Okay, so I'll give you a contrast. The contrast is another engineering firm. It's much bigger. But the person is being a lot more deliberate and intentional about the whole planning process. And he's giving himself 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. A lot happens in 10 years. At least 10 years. Yeah. So in this situation, let's call it Company B. So Company B, um, he already has a future owner. He has someone... It's actually his nephew. Okay, it's family-run business. Just amazing. I mean, he's got the all the components of being a future owner, future CEO. I can and talk the, about that and, later. And the nephew wants it. Oh, he does want it. Good. He wants it. He's ready. It's all teed up. Uh, so the owner of the firm is working with a financial planner, uh, working with an attorney on. Um, the stock transfer, how the, how this is going to work, and then he's working with me on how he's going to exit the business and start to relinquish control and how the new owners, because there's a team of them, 
led by this by his nephew are going to take over and and he's doing it very deliberately he's got a plan and every month we get together and sit down we look at okay where are you and what you need to do next mm -hmm. so for a lot of times for him his job is like going to australia or switzerland and leaving the business for a while wow. and testing it and letting them run with it and seeing how they do. Because it's similar to, you know, giving your keys to your car for your kid for the first time. You never know how it's going to work until you just test it out. Test it out. Yeah. You just can't, you can't be there. You need to let them just roll with gotta it. Gotta let them fail a little bit. Go into the ditch. Gotta mitigate, probably mitigate <laughs> right. some of the failures. But right. Exactly. Gotta let them do it. Exactly. So let's say, uh, you have a small organization where you maybe have an ownership owner or multiple owners where they're not necessarily involved in the day-to-day -day business. So they're going to keep the organization, but you, you have a key executive who is basically running the, the business, but not an owner. They're retiring. Is that also part of a succession planning process or is it always just based on ownership change? You do need to look at the team in place. I mean, there's very few places, unless you're really small, that are totally dependent upon one person. And, you know, you can have an operations person, you can have a financial person, you have a human resources person. You know, people contribute in different ways. Um, you know, it's interesting. There are some firms that look a little bit more towards how are they going to replace the team rather than the person. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll start developing kind of a the bench to take over for the people on the field. Yeah. Very much like uh, basketball or football. It's like, okay, we need to bring in our second team. So those people are warming up, and they're getting ready to enter the game. And they're slowly taking over the responsibilities. I'm just thinking about a firm I'm, I'm working with now that's very flat. I mean, it's, oh, I don't know, maybe it's 300 to 400 employees wow. but it's more flat so the, the, team, more flat. the team is more important than any one person right. i mean they've got they've got a corporate management group of about eight people right so they're a multidisciplinary firm so they're they've got people who are representing different parts of engineering and architecture and construction for instance so they they make they're making decisions as a group as opposed to just one person saying, this is what we're going to be doing, mm -hmm. which becomes challenging, but it's, you also have that safety in numbers because if just one person leaves, <laughs> yeah. if you have one person leaves, it makes it easier to make decisions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it makes it stronger too. So they're looking at developing their bench for people who can sort of support them as they move into a senior leadership role and if they leave and they will at some point you've got a number of people who are going to be coming up taking their place that makes sense mm -hmm. absolutely so when you think about like an overall succession plan especially in the early stages how detailed does this planning to be is it just here's my vision for the future i want to get out in this many years like what what does that even what does it look like is it a really a plan or is it just sort of yeah we're gonna take one day at a time and make some incremental steps yeah let me tell you about the process that I use because I feel like it's so personal and it's so unique that I know that there's probably consultants who have templates 
and flows and you need to do this and this and this and I think that's great but it's not the way I work and the reason is because I have uh, every organization is different and everybody's got different pain points and things that keep them up at night yeah different things on their mind so rather than trying to direct them down my own little your model. My model. Yeah. You got to do this step first. Step one, then, step two. But as they're doing it, they're thinking, yeah, but what about what about this thing that keeps me up at night? So what I yeah, do. Yeah, you probably find that yeah, out. Yeah, what I do is I used to take a huge wall, like a big blank wall, and I give people huge post-it notes. And I say, just tell me what's on your mind. What's like your that. concern? Yeah. And you get one concern or one question per huge post-it card. I mean, these are like five by eight post-it cards and and we just put them up on the wall throw them up in no order and then i say all right once you rearrange them into buckets it makes sense because that's the way our mind works mm-hmm. right i'm just directing them i'm just sitting back letting them figure this out once they put it into different buckets here's what ha- ends up happening they end up having questions about their own personal life about where they're at now they end up looking at questions about their future, about their health. Yeah. They start looking at their financial situation. Are they going to have enough money? That's sort of one bucket. That's interesting. But yeah. then they have another bucket. It's like, well, do I have the right people in place? Have I been clear with them about, about the expectations I have? What kind of support do they need? Do we need to add new people? Do we need to hire new people? How do I, how do I, then we have the financial part. How do I afford to get out of the business? What do I want out of it? How do I make it fair to people? Uh, Can they afford it? Um, What about the tax implications? Do I need to talk to an attorney? Uh, And then the other bucket is really just about maintaining the business right now. Yeah. Because it's it's very much like a, a relay race, right? You're running around the track. You're the owner. And at some point, you want to pass that off to someone else. What's required to do that is that the person who's taking the baton needs to start, start running. running at some point. Yeah, that's a <laughs> great analogy. And pick it up, right? Yeah. And so it needs to be a smooth transition because the business needs to generate revenue. It just needs yeah. to make money. Yeah. It doesn't have the liberty of saying, hey, you're going to go through a succession plan. Why don't you just um, tell your clients you're not going to be working with them for a while until you figure this out, and then you'll pick it up. I mean, it's not the way it works. It needs to be continuous. So in order to do that, you need to be thinking about all this stuff and planning it as you're doing the business. And that's particularly difficult these days because people are so busy and they're making money as opposed to back in 2008, 2009, when there was a recession. So there is a almost a, a mad rush to capitalize on the strong economy right now. And people are kind of hanging in there because they want, they're making money. So the, the, the challenge that I have is being able to pull them away from making money yeah, they like to think about planning to get out of their business. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a, that's a, what you said there is fascinating. I in this whole discussion, I never, never would have really thought that the one of the big components to this is stepping out of the business and focusing on you know their second life or their the the life after business. Because for a lot of these people, I'm sure it's been their identity for so long. Right. 
not only has it been their source of income and they got to figure out, uh, you know, how they're going to pull that money out or how they're going to fund their retirement, but also they probably worry about the health of the business after they leave. They don't want it to crumble. They built it. Exactly. They don't want it to crumble. What keeps them up at night the most out of all that? When you, when you see people put those post-it notes up on the wall, what, what is always there? I think that people are concerned about where they're at right now. And I think people are really stressed that they're working so hard. And So they're worried about their health or something? Yeah, they're worried about their health. They're worried about their, their balance. They're worried about, am I going to be able to stop? Can I just jump off this treadmill? Interesting. Because they're going so hard. Can I adjust to like not being on so much? You know, my wife just, she left a position, a senior position. She's not, she's not going through her own succession plan, but she's going through a little bit of a change in life. And she left a very demanding job. And she says, I'm just going to go to Europe and I'm going to walk the Camino to Santiago in Spain. It's like 500 miles. Yeah. And she ended up walking like 420 miles by herself. That's incredible. But when she did that, when she took the time for herself to just be out in the middle of nowhere, it really changed things for her, changed her perspective. And why am I mentioning this? Because I think that when people are so caught up in running their business, that's where their heads are. And they can't really think about what it's like not to be in their business. But that kind of keeps them up. They're like, well, am I going to be okay not having this thing that's been part of my life. It's mm -hmm. been part of my identity. Yeah. What my wife found was that there's another life out there of just experiencing life without being identified, identifying yourself so strongly with what you do. Love that. Well, I want to talk about a couple technical things about the, the process. When you're looking for somebody to um, step into that ownership role, sell the business to somebody to take over that, that key role are you looking internal, external, combination of both? Like what's that whole process of finding somebody and identifying and how far in advance should that happen? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's always, it's always easier to find a good internal candidate. And the reason is because the team will accept that person. That's a really valid right. point. You can go ahead and try to find a rock star and bring in the rock star. But and people then, may jump ship because oh, they, they don't. Totally. Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to tell us how to run exactly. a business? What oh, do you it's know? It's your way or the highway. Yeah, right, exactly. So that usually doesn't work that well. If you are going to bring somebody in, and firms do need that, you want to make sure it's like, I don't know, there's no magic formula here, but you want to you, you make sure it's you know, maybe like five years, right? You want to give people enough time to adjust and accept this person. And you also want to give that person enough time to not try to push things too much, you know, to kind of lay off the gas yeah. and not assert themselves too much because, you know, you're coming to an organization. You, I think you need to be more deferential to the way things mm -hmm. are, the way the culture is. And it's especially true of, of a culture where people work well together you know, you need you need to find the right kind of fit. So you need to spend some time and interview people and make sure that they're going to fit within your culture. They're not just the right fit because they have the skill set or the experience. 
Um, now, having said all that, there are cases where there's a big shift where people just will bring in the new team and and they manage. I'm, I am always surprised, by the way, at how firms can be resilient and, and live on, even with a lack of planning. People, humans can adapt easily. Very much. And clients do, too. That so, that would be the scary part, I think. I, I agree. Like, oh, wow. I've seen so many firms. I've, I, I'm thinking of a firm where all three of the owners basically threw the, the, the keys on the table and said, the firm's yours. I don't want anything out of it. I haven't done any planning, but I'm burnt out. And it was left to basically one person who was a principal of the firm and he goes, okay, I'll just try to make this work. And he just, he scraped together, probably take out loans just to Unreal. try to make payroll for his team. Hopefully the clients Kept the team. People stuck around. And you know what? Uh, a year later, they had a Christmas party, an open house. Like, hey, we're still around. The place was packed. And it was really interesting to me. People buy from people. That's it. People buy from people. They buy from people they like and agree. they trust. Yep. And that's the core of it. And if we like to think it's just maybe the key people at the top, but frankly, a lot of us people who are providing the, the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when somebody's identified and you decide to bring them into the organization, what kind of role do you bring them in as if you've identified them as a potential owner? Uh, do they they come in as an employee and then you're they're really in kind of a uh, performance appraisal period how does that work do they come in as an owner right away no i don't think so i don't think so that's why when i when i listen to that scenario i i automatically bristle because i just think that people will just <laughs> will reject them you know it would be the, like the, people the body working. the yes. body will reject it i agree you know? <laughs> yeah because it is it's a foreign object it's a foreign object <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of scenarios where that's gone well and <laughs> <laughs> so you got to ease them into it as yeah i i i just think it's i there're just there're too many there're too many disasters that I can think of where it just didn't go well. Hey, I'm going to bring in this guy. I think he's going to be able to run this place. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't seem to work out that well. There's there there are just more car wrecks than there are. That's an interesting point because I was one of my follow up questions to all that was going to be, does it ever not work out? And I, it sounds like that's absolutely true all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I had a buddy of mine who who ran a high tech company and. In California, very successful, had an operation in Toronto and one in Australia. And he was doing, you know, I don't know, I think CPUs or something. It was a high-tech firm, basically kind of a manufacturing firm. Very successful. And um, he just just pulled the plug on the business, just sold all the equipment and wrote people a check. So instead of finding a successor, he just decided out selling which I think is smart because there's a lot of headache with trying to find an owner to keep this thing going. I mean, one thing that people don't realize is there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, I'm done with this business and I'm out of here because he doesn't have any, well, I don't know if he has any worries, but I don't know if he has any regrets, but he did it cleanly. 
Yeah. Right. I would think like the hardest part about that would be destroying those jobs. <laughs> essentially. But, All the yeah. employees. Yeah, exactly. I think that was hard, but you know, the, you need to let go anyway, because if you're no longer the owner and someone else is the owner, then you have that responsibility. Then you, then you feel like, well, how's the firm doing? Exactly. Are, are they, tr are they treating the employees right? And it's nice to keep people busy, but think of this. I mean, those people, well, hopefully they'll find other jobs, yeah. but they get, you do need to think of yourself first in this whole business of succession planning. You need to think about what I want out of this deal the firm that I was talking about earlier where the guy's being very intentional, he is incredibly fair to his employees. He wants to make the stock very reasonable. He's starting to give it to him, you know, incrementally hmm. over time. He's starting to do this. But I've actually been coaching him and advocating for him and saying, make sure that you're not too generous, that you're taking care of yourself too. So um, anyway, I, I, it's a balance. Yeah. When will an owner figure out, like if they've identified somebody, they've sort of been there for a little while, um, they've seen them in action, see how the people are reacting to this person. When do you sort of know that this is the right fit? It's time for me to, to get out. Yeah. Well, that's the great question, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's my work right there. That is your work. So your yeah. your work is in identifying when yeah. that, that time period yeah. is. Yeah. And what do you usually say? Like, hey, I think you're ready. I think it's time. Do you check? Do you have a, a list? You, yeah, Like, I oh, do. the boxes are checked. All of them um, are checked. I do. I have assessments I've come up with. You know, I've got, you know, a matrix of different things to look at. And I coach owners on having clear expectations of folks and then I provide training and things like emotional intelligence and time management and managing people and business development, all those skills that are, that are really strategic planning, yeah. all those things that, that you need in order to be really an effective leader. I'm teaching those people. I think the difference is, um, ha how willing are they to take on the risk? Because it's very, it, it, it's very stressful to think about jumping into a position of owning a firm and being responsible for it, as opposed to just wanting to financially gain from it and be able to be at the table and call the shots. I mean, the reality is that people who own firms, you know, they're personally underwriting the business. If things happen, they come after them. Absolutely. And they're usually the last person to uh, get paid when things are bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, things look good because the economy's strong, but, you know, everything's in a cycle. You don't know. You're taking True. on that, we're that yeah, risk. We're yeah, exactly. So for me, here's the key question. This is what I have people say. This is what I have owners ask their kind of key people, the people who they see as maybe future owners. Why do you want to be an owner? That's a really good question. Yeah, actually. It's, it's the only Some, question. Why yeah. do you want to be an owner? You know, what's your motivation? If they say, I want to be able to pick and choose my work, man. If it's or like, money driven. Or money or, yeah. or something like that. But if it's really about I want to create a place, I want to create a legacy. Yeah. I, I think that we could do some exciting things here. If they're really attached to the idea of 
a bigger idea mm-hmm. and really wanting to help other people instead of themselves, That's what then it's going in the right direction. Yeah. The second part, though, is I work with a, I work with another firm. I work with a lot of engineering firms. I work with another firm where there's a very small firm, and the owner said, I've got somebody who I don't think could be a future owner, but she's interested in becoming an owner. Oh, so you, you're basically brought in to suss that out. and Exactly. So I met with her, and I said, so why do you want to be an owner? Right. And she said, well, I want to be able to have input on who we hire, and I want to be able to look at the financials and have more uh, involvement in running the business. So what about being a COO instead of... Uh... Right, exactly. <laughs> so I say, okay, well, tell me about your life and your objectives, and are you interested in the risks of running a business? I mean, in other words, do you want to put in the long hours? Well, no, not really, because she has a kid. So work-life balance is important. I said, okay, well, how about financially? Because, you know, it's going to require you to write a note to buy the business and buy stock and be responsible for other people. Yeah, I'm really not interested in that. So you can already see through that conversation, you've got somebody who wants to be involved, who's very important, by the way, but is not a future owner because of the risk profile. Yep. She doesn't want to do that extra work. And that, I respect that. But we need to find a way of keeping that person engaged and employed because they're very important. The distinction is that any company has got people who are really important to the health of it, but they're not all future owners. So you need to keep those people involved, but you don't need to make them owners. And one of the challenges or the problems that I see is that people say, companies, owners will say, I need to keep this person around, so I'm going to make an owner. No, just like give them more money or give them more responsibility or give them something other than a piece of the business. Yeah. You don't want to put them in a position of owning it or running it if that's not part of their plan. Yeah, it's a good illustration. Leo, well, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to do this podcast. For one, we have owners listening to this podcast. Um, and they may have toyed around with the idea of, I need to get out of this business at some point. So I wanted to give them some tools, but we also have a large listenership of HR people. And I think oftentimes that, that succession planning topic probably pops up in, in their world a little bit. Maybe they've been talking with the owner. They have a seat at that table, uh, with the executive team and that's probably come up and it probably falls to them at some point and we need to provide them tools. So if, with those two groups in mind, Where's a great place to start if the succession planning topic has come up? Where do you even start with all this? Is it calling a guy like yourself? Is it exploring, fact-finding? Um, I think I think it's fact-finding. I don't think it's a bad idea to start talking to some professionals. I mean, I whenever I'm sitting down with someone, I'll say, have you talked to an attorney? Because an attorney is actually really important in this whole mix. Mm-hmm. Um, good attorneys understand the financial parts of it too. By the way, they understand the the different options for transferring the business and and the financial implications. So it's not they're just not an attorney in terms of the the legal part of ownership, but they understand the financial part of it too. It, it's good to have somebody who can kind of help you understand the bigger pictures in terms of what you know what's called the bottom line 
And I also think that for an HR person, they can at least start those conversations like I've, I've talked about earlier. What do you want to get out of this? What's mm -hmm. your timeline? Mm -hmm. What are your concerns? What are your questions? You know, uh, what's important to you at the end of this? Do you want to, is important for this business to stay in your name or stay the way it is? Or are you okay with selling it to someone else and just relinquishing control or leaving? I mean, just starting the conversation because it's, it's a number of conversations that you need to have with people. It's not one conversation. As you get information, you realize, you know, your, your thinking changes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Where can people find you? LeoMcLeod.com. <laughs> My name, <laughs> www.leomaclead.com. Yeah. And yeah. People connect with you on LinkedIn, anywhere else? Yep. LinkedIn's fine. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, yeah. Leo, it's been it's yeah. been a lot of fun. This has been a great topic. I've enjoyed the discussion. There's a lot more to it than I would have ever thought. So I appreciate you shedding light on all that. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate yeah. it. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.